we have not only residential treatment, we have a medical detox. Can you think about a 17-time felon hiring a medical doctor? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you think, you, I mean, like, who does that, right? Like You like, do, my friend. Yes. Uh, so we got nurses, nurse practitioners, RNs, case manager, counselors. Uh, but but let me say this, more importantly, 35% of my staff is people who have come through my program and are in recovery. Welcome to an army of normal folks. I'm Bill Courtney. I'm a normal guy. I'm a husband. I'm a father, I'm an entrepreneur, and I've been a football coach in inner city Memphis. And the last part, it accidentally led to an Oscar for the film about our team. It's called Undefeated. I believe our country's problems will never be solved by a bunch of fancy people in nice suits talking big words that nobody understands on CNN and Fox, but rather by an army of normal folks, us, just you and me deciding, hey, I can help. That's what Trina Frierson, the voice we just heard, has done. After racking up 17 felonies, Trina finally had enough and had a vision for a resource center to help other women like her coming back from prison. And today, her nonprofit, Mending Hearts, has grown into something far beyond her wildest imagination. Owning 15 homes in Nashville that provide shelter, hope, and healing to women who are homeless due to addiction and mental health disorders. I cannot wait for you to meet Trina right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. 
When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So you grew up in East Nashville. You're one of six. Uh, your father passed away. Yeah, father passed away at the age of six. Yeah, so didn't get much relationship uh, there. But my oldest brother became my father figure. How much um, older was he than you? Uh, see, he was seven years older than I was. I actually, at the age of 15, he I was 15, he passed when he was 22. But he was the guy that came in, father figure, worked two jobs like my mom, helped take care of his other siblings. Yeah. So you grew up in a predominantly black area of East Asheville. Mm -hmm. And... Your mom's working, trying to raise six. <laughs> Dad's passed. 15-year-old brothers are having to take father-like roles. The community is very important. Uh, 12 or 13 is when you put your tires on the first squirrely road. Yeah, you know. Uh, and we're going to go through the unraveling before we go through the redemption. So just yeah. I, I'm going to sit and listen to you kind of unfold 12 through maybe 16 or 17. Yeah, you know. uh I was, uh, you know, I think my first wannabe grown habit. Uh, wannabe grown? <laughs> yeah, wannabe grown. Wannabe grown habit. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my mom used to make this um, corn cob wine. And, you know, I have to sit over a year before you can drink it. And, uh, man, I used to. That's shine. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Your mom made shine? My mom made shine. And to wow. bring it, and she'd bring it out on the holidays, right? Right at Thanksgiving and Christmas, and uh, I think my first first time of alcohol is I sipped and snuck and snipped sipped some, and I seen my brother and them do it, and so like I'm the baby of the family, right? Out of six, and so I seen them do it, and so I was like, I'm gonna do that when nobody's looking, right? And so I think that was my first shot, but you know, at the age of twelve, I got caught smoking cigs or weed, cigarettes. Okay. And so my brother's best friend lived on the street coming from Holland Heights, junior high. And I think nobody seen him in there at work, right? No, nope, it was his off day. He called me. I was walking down the street smoking. By the time I got home, my brother's home. My mom never whooped me, but my brother did. Really? Oh, man, he gave me a good whooping. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it made me clean the whole house. Like, I didn't just get a whooping. Like, I got punished again. Like, clean up his whole house, right? And so that was my first encounter. I want to be grown. But, you know, at the age of 14, um, I used to meet up with my sister and brother and them in the back room of our house. My mom was already gone to work. You know, um, my mom used to uh, divide lunch money up on our TV uh, and the big old TV stood about this high, you know, the big TV. Big old uh, console. Floor model, floor, yeah. floor model is what yeah. we called it, yeah. yeah. 
and uh, Zenith. Yes, right. that's it. That's it. And so, in fact, just, they may got one of those things in this place. You know what? You're about right. They yeah, probably got something like that <laughs> yes. around here somewhere. Anyway, yeah. So, and we'd get our lunch money, but, but prior to going to school, mom's already worked and fixed breakfast for us and everything. Um, they're in this back room. It's it's almost like a meeting, and uh, it's two of my brothers, and uh, no, three of my brothers and my sister, right? Um, and so they're back there rolling their joints and, you know, smoking their weed. And I'm sitting back here on a chair and I, I just remember it visually. I'm on the arm of this chair and, uh, and I'm just watching them. And, uh, my sister says, um, God bless her soul. She just passed last week. But, uh, she says, uh, here. And she rolls up some, but, you know, back then it was the, when you got this budded weed, right, at the end of the bag, there's the dust around that. And listen, she pulled it into this paper, and it was probably more paper than marijuana, right? Uh, but I was happy to be a part of the club, man. Uh, <laughs> like, and, and coming from my big sister, and she was like, hey, uh, here, and don't tell nobody. She waited till everybody left the room and gave it to me. And I thought that was a bond, you know? But that was my insane thinking back then. I really thought that was a bond for me and my sister. And, like, uh, she knew I wanted to be a part of the club, right? Um, it's almost like an indoctrination. Yes. Which yeah. I know your sister didn't intend. Oh, no. But that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, and she she go off to work. We go off to school. And so... Uh, your mom... I'm sorry, but I, it, it, you, your mom working two jobs with six kids, mm -hmm. fighting. Oh, yeah. I mean, those salmon croquet and the rice and the whole thing. That Getting wasn't, that wasn't at flip night. it. That, that, she worked hard to be able to put that stuff on the table. Oh, definitely. And she's piling up lunch money on the TV, scraping together quarters and nickels, I assume. Mm -hmm. I mean, this woman. Hey, man, she's my hero. I love my mama. Listen, um, miss her dearly. Uh, and I think about, you know, just my process with her. She died, you know, due to cancer, right? Um, but the things she sacrificed uh, her so that life. we could have. Yeah. Did she ever remarry or anything? No. Like Never. She didn't have no time for a man if she's working two jobs, raising six oh, no. knuckleheads. She had these white shoes. They like, you remember the old nurse's shoes? Yeah, white yeah. white on white. <laughs> yes. White, white. See, when I say the side of them, right where your baby toe is, had a hole in it, and maybe over at the top, when I say she took some gauze and some glue and covered that hole up, and you remember the old white shoe polish? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, she had that thing patched. It looked like it was a little patch, but her shoes was clean and white, and it might have had those whole patches in it. But I'm telling you, if you looked at her kids, none of their, none of us had holes in our shoes. None of She sacrificed. I see the sacrifice. Yeah. What would have done to her to know that those kids were in the back room rolling up weed? You know, back in those days, probably the younger group, 
uh, she probably would have lost it. <laughs> and, and definitely would have lost it with me because... The baby. Yeah, I was supposed to be in her golden child, right? Um, and, and but But, you know, I say that I later found out, like, I thought I was a special kid in my mom's life. But I later found out, man, she had a special way with all her kids. I thought, I, I'm telling you, I really thought I had my way with my mom. I thought I was the prized child. She just uh, made you all feel that way. Yes. What an amazing I woman. Like, I was like, man. It's like, wow. But, yeah, you know, I think uh, she would have blew a lid to know I, right? Uh, I think she knew of my sister and other brother, you know, because that was the that was the thing back then, you know, uh, like they're bringing it to a legalization right now, trying to get it across the country. But uh, that was the little thing back then. And it was beer and it wasn't causing problems, you know, so so that wasn't a threat, you know, to our society. <laughs> People hmm. didn't look That's at interesting it, but, you say that. Yeah, it wasn't a threat. Bigger and a little weed, you're saying, was a thing, but that wasn't the threat. That wasn't the threat. But you found it. Oh, my God. Let me tell you. So after your indoctrination. Yeah. You know, I went on and every now and then go to the park, meet up. Me and my friends, you know, I had a friend that could, back in those days, you could go to the store. Your parents can say, hey, I'm sitting Paula down there to get a six-pack, some bologna, eggs, and cheese, put it on my tab, right? And so you could go get things back then from the store, right? And so you didn't have to be 21. They put it in the grocery bag and just hand it off. You walk up the street, right? That's going to be foreign to a lot of our listeners, but let me just tell you, that is not a black thing. That is not a Nashville thing. That is not an inner city thing. My wife... When she was 13, growing up east of Memphis, the grandmother, her grandmother, would call the corner store. <laughs> and it was a mile and a half away because they lived out in the country. Mm -hmm. And my 13-year-old wife would drive her LTD <laughs> down Highway 14, pull up. She would get a pack of Virginia Slim Menthol Ultralights, a six-pack of beer, and some sandwich meat and bread, and the, the store clerk gave it to her, knowing it was going back to my grandmother. That's and right. even though that's Ill, all that's illegal. Definitely. But I'm telling you, in the South, <laughs> that was just the way things worked back in those days. Yeah. So when you say that, I completely get it. A lot of people listening to us will be, what? But that really <laughs> is the way it worked. That's how it is. You know, so I, I played a little bit, you know, with the marijuana and the, and the, and the, and the beer, and it, it was just... On occasions, you know, it wasn't like all the time and I go play ball and, you know, back in the community. But it was it wasn't until I first saw cocaine. I think it was in high school. Well, let me say there was supposed to be in heroin, but I I looked at it and it just didn't look impressive to me. You know, it was on a school bus. But I think my first uh, glance at cocaine was in college. And now a few messages from our generous sponsors. But first, I hope you'll consider becoming a premium member of the Army at normalfolks.us. By becoming one for 10 bucks a month or $1,000 a year, you can get access to cool benefits like bonus episodes, a yearly group call, and even a one-on-one -on -one call with me. 
frankly, guys, premium memberships also help us to grow this army that our country desperately needs right now. So I hope you'll think about it. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hello, America. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you don't have Consumer Cellular yet, now is the perfect time to switch and save. For a limited time, new customers can get wireless service for as low as $15 a month for your first year. Yep, the same exact nationwide coverage as the leading carriers for $15 a month for an entire year. What are you waiting for? Call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com and use code RADIO15. See ConsumerCellular.com slash FIRSTYEAR15 for promotional details. I left high school, right? Um, got a scholarship to college. Where? Uh, Vol State Community College. And so... Did you say Ball or Vol? Vol. Ball in Gallatin, State, Tennessee. Gallatin, Tennessee. And so I went there, and my freshman year there, I come out of my apartment, and they got a party going on in the house, and... Um, there's a group over here. It's like, here, Trini, you want some? And I was like, what is that? They said, it's that powder. It's good. So I was like, and they was just like they had allergies or something. I was like, <laughs> nah, I'm good. I'm good. And so, you know, thank God I was able to pass it up because I think my basketball career would have crashed sooner, right? Uh, and so I went on, and it wasn't until, you know, I ended up, headed back in my sophomore year, and I noticed that I was pregnant. And so I quit, had the baby. After having the baby, the guy, the baby's father, I came home one day in the kitchen, and I couldn't get in because I had the door jammed up. And when I finally get in, it's him and two other guys in there. And... um I walk in there and they got this, uh, what do you call it, Tur uh, tourniquet? 
tourniques around their arm, and uh, they got needles going in them. And so, uh, <laughs> blinded by love, uh, first thing I say is, uh, I want some, right? And I thank God for this dude. Today he's dead and gone, but I thank God for him. Uh, he was very angry, and he said, no, you don't. You don't ever want this. And I said, but you say you love me. If you can do it, I can do it. And it was his nephew that took some powdered cocaine and put it in a cigarette. And I had to smoke two or three before I got to feeling it. But the only thing I felt was my lips was numb, right? <laughs> and so, but it had me thinking. See, it's it's one thing about addiction and behaviors and stuff like that, right? Um the obsession, right, is the thought process. <laughs> then that compulsion of that never-ending results, you just want more and more and more, right? And so I'm looking at, hmm, but it was cool. So, you know, I was never a drinker. Then I wanted to drink a beer, you know. And so probably that second or third time, uh, I smoked what we call back then a jimmy, right? That's cocaine in a cigarette. <laughs> um, a Jimmy. Jimmy. Yeah. So when we talk about cocaine, we're talking about crack, right? Well, or no, we talking about cocaine? A, it's cocaine powder, cocaine. Really? Yeah, you put it in tobacco cigarette. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So that we call it Jimmy, right? Now, crack cocaine is formed up and cooked. That's the difference in powder cocaine and crack cocaine. It's it's mixed with stuff and cooked, right? Crack yeah, is. yeah, yeah, baking soda. Baking soda, right. Mm -hmm. All right, and so, but at this time, we're not talking about crack yet. We're talking about just... No, we're just talking about powder cocaine. But it was a family member that came over and noticed that I was doing it, and it was my niece. And she heard that I was smoking powder and cigarettes, and she came over and said, quit wasting your money. Let me show you something. And so she comes bringing out all these utensils as if she's in a chemistry lab or something. And she got the Pyrex jars and stuff. And she goes into my kitchen and, and she starts to cook it up. And she's showing me what she's doing. And she bring out this pipe. And then she puts it on there. And she tells me how to pour, when to pour. And uh, that was the thing that sent me out to space. Crack. Yeah, crack cocaine. That was crack. That was crack. And I tell you what, what I do remember is grabbing my daughter and taking her to my mom. And I knew my mom was sick, but I took my daughter, and I remember going out and hanging out for two or three nights and uh, not even coming back home. And so that would go on and on for years until I caught my first charge. Which we'll get to. I am looking at an amazing woman right now, and I know the rest of the story, which we'll get to. Um, the person today, thinking about the person that left their daughter with their cancer-ridden sick mother and didn't show up for three or four days or a week because of their addiction to crack. What do you say to that person now? 
You can't change the past. But you can mend today. And what I mean by that is that nothing I did back then I can change. But today, I can mend those broken roads. I can mend those broken relationships. One is by not doing it, right? Ever again, right? But also speak about it. Uh, we need to talk about it around the tables. We need to put it on the kitchen tables. Like this, this didn't happen in my family. This just didn't happen on my street. It's happening everywhere. You know, I regret it, but um, I do believe uh, because of what God has done in my life, I do believe that my mom is smiling today. I think the restoration process of what I went through and the pain that I suffered as a result of the harm I caused, right? Because we have to take ownership. Like, I can't just blame this all on addiction, right? <laughs> um. A big part of my story is fatherlessness because my father left home when I was young. My marriage, my mom was married and divorced five times. And if you've any regular listener knows the story, so I won't go deeply into it. Um, but it's one of the reasons I was able to connect so well with the kids at Manassas, because even though I don't look like them or come from where they come, I absolutely understand that part of the trauma. Mm -hmm of fatherlessness. And I, I developed this idea that a lot of fatherlessness in the hood, particularly comes from men who, when they wake up in the morning and they look at their shattered lives and the guilt they feel for all they're doing can hardly look themselves in the mirror much less their sons. That's right. How did you deal with the guilt? Because you had to have had it. Oh, tons of it. You know, um, I'm telling you, uh, part of dealing with the guilt was continuing to use, right? But Self-medicating? Self-medicating. But after, you know, being incarcerated, right? Uh, finding other resources, uh, therapy. Uh, was my gatekeeper. It was therapy. And and I'm not talking about um, once a month type therapy. I'm talking about two or three days a week therapy. Uh, I'm talking about bringing my kids in, letting them get gut level honest about how they felt neglected and abandoned by my decisions and my behaviors. Uh, Didn't that rip your heart out? Oh, my God. Listen, so bad. <laughs> Listen, in one session, I ran out of therapy and left my daughter in there. The therapist had to call and get somebody to take her home. That's how painful it was for me. Because you couldn't face her. I couldn't. But I thank God for this therapist. No, but the point is, that speaks exactly to what I'm talking about. Yes. 
you can't even face your own children because of the guilt you feel. That's right. So you're now a crack addict and you have one kid that you're dumping off with your mom and, um, then I go get pregnant again. I was about to say, that's just the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> you just getting started, girl. Yeah. Just getting started. Uh, and you know, uh, I have this baby and, uh, this baby is born with a hole in her heart and she has have a uh, surgery, heart surgery at five days old. Um, and so in this process, my oldest child was not born addicted, right? Thank God. Yes. But this next child is, um, and oh, I gosh. officially come you, in. You, you, your third child was born addicted? Yeah. Second and third. Second and third. Man. Yes. Yeah. And so the way I found out I was pregnant with my third child is because I had drug deal gone bad. I'm shot three times, twice in the leg, once in a private area. I wake up three days later in the Vanderbilt Hospital. Uh, <clears throat> right now I'm a Jane Doe, um, but they can't let nobody know, you know, who I am. My family's calling. When I get up, they's like, do you know this person? They say they're your brother. This person said they're your sister. This person said they're your cousin. I was like, well, that's my brother. That's my friend. <laughs> I was like, well, we can't release anything. We'll let you call your brother. But right now, you're still on investigation. And You and found so, out you were pregnant with your third kid because you got shot? Oh, yeah. Drug deal gone bad, I guess? Yeah, settle court. Settle court projects East of Nashville. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents... A new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. When Dr. Sabah and I decided to do a skincare line together, he said to me, we are going to give women meaningful beauty. And I said, that's exactly right. We want to give women meaningful beauty, which means each and every product is meaningful. It has a, a reason to exist. It's efficacious. You're going to get results. And then you just go out and live your life. Meaningful beauty. Confidence is beautiful. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
There are people listening to us that understand this life. The vast majority don't. The vast majority of people just don't understand the life. And unfortunately, I think our illustration of that life largely comes from movies and TV shows. And we think we understand it because we've dedicated two hours of our lives to watching a movie that uh, sensationalizes the drug culture in our urban inner cities. Well, newsflash, that's a movie. You don't bathe. You, you drop your kids off at anybody's place to get away from them because really they're in the way of your drug habit. Yes. You're hustling. Mm -hmm. You're probably dealing. Oh, Many definitely. women are prostituting. You're around lots of guns and uh, crime. Mm -hmm. Would you paint a picture of six months of that life for us? Just a six-month period of your life. And and I don't – I really think it's important for people to understand the raw truth. But when you don't bathe because you're on the street for a week at a time, especially as a female, and you don't even take care of basic hygiene, just paint a picture yeah, what that looks like. of this lack of humanity that exists oh, yeah, in this world. And and it's not even the bathing. So 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 this this when I talk about that obsession and that compulsion, you know, you're just chasing that one more, right? And that I one more hit. That one more hit. I don't care if you listen. I realized I was selling drugs, right? Not to get rich, not to be the big drug dealer, right? But it was to supply my own habit, so I wouldn't have to prostitute. Right. But guess what? I didn't have time to take the baths. Right. I didn't have time to eat. When I went to jail, I was probably 180, 190. I came out of jail weighing 415. Right. But you neglect not only, listen, I would probably three, four days later when I when when I was in my right mind. Right. But when I'm zoned out, I may be them passed out for three or four days. I get up, take another two or three days before I take a bath, before I eat, right? Are you are you stealing for the habit if you have to? Oh no. So 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 Not I you. stole oh, you plural. Oh the yes. life. The life steals for the habit. Listen, and not only from, let me tell you something. I remember stealing from my mom. Oh, wow. Right? And the woman who wore holy shoes and piled money on the zenith so you had food. Yes. And you're going to steal from her. Yeah. And here's the thing. It was my money. So in our addictive mindsets, we tell ourselves, I'm only going to do this much today. I'm not, I'm only going to smoke this much. So, hey, mom, will you put these $300 up for me? And so mom keeps the money. Well, mom going to the bathroom when they dropped a purse, right? Usually any other time, I was like, hey, mom, you dropped this. But it was at one time, man. I went in there and took 100 bucks out of her purse. Her little, it was a little coin purse where she kept her money in. And it was by the toilet, 
and I laid it back by the toilet. And so she asked me, did you see my corn purse in there? Did you get some money out of there? And I said, no, ma'am. She said, okay. It took me about a week. I had never lied to my mama like that, right? It took me about a week and said, Mama, I did it. So why'd you lie to me? That stuff making you lie? I said, yeah, Mama. She said, you need to find you some help, girl. But not only does it not make you let you bathe, eat, it makes you lie. It makes you steal. Like, from that very thing you say you love, it does not discriminate. It has no respect for mankind. It turns you into an animal. Oh, more than an animal. Listen, you are... <laughs> I tell you what. Have you ever seen the blackbirds? What are they called? Blackbirds? You know, the big black ones. Are they vultures? Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean... You mean picking at a dead body on the side of the street? A dead possum yes. or something? Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, think they're vultures, vultures or bu buzzards or something. Buzzards, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, just... Listen, you don't stand a chance, man. When the mind set is gone and it's chasing that one more... Any means necessary to get that one hit. Don't you sober up at some point, look at yourself and say, damn. Oh, for for inkling of a moment. And then you're back. You're back. Like, like now there's, there's hope, right? But nine times out of ten, and there are people who's been capable of relinquishing the relationship with crack on their own, right? Uh, but nine times out of ten, you need not only moral support, like you really need to go and detox from that thing and get it out your system. And you got to start changing your surroundings, your behaviors, your people, your conversations, your phone numbers. Like you got to do a drastic change, man. Yeah, I've heard it described as the grip. Oh yeah. yeah, that it just grips you and don't turn them loose. Oh, listen, I'm, and and it's not and and it's not to say that I'm weak. It's to say that crack cocaine is more powerful than I am. <laughs> yeah. So three babies, mm -hmm. a crack addiction. Mm -hmm. You've probably been in jail a few times. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I thought about getting a jersey. <laughs> a, a what? <laughs> a jersey. What was it going to be? Uh, it was going to, the number was going to be 17 on the jersey. Uh-huh. And the name on the back was going to be felon. <laughs> <laughs> You caught 17 felonies. Actually, it was more than that. But, you know, because some of the stuff they do to you is double jeopardy. And so uh, you get a good judge that'll say, hey, we're we just going to combine all this over into one. And, you know, so they gave me a couple of breaks. <laughs> yeah. All right. And at some point in prison, you start doing a mentoring program or something? Yeah, you know, uh, and I, I can't even 
begin to tell you how God orchestrated that thing. But, you know, um, there was a treatment program called Chances. And uh, <laughs> technically, I didn't have family support, right, when I went to jail. So I'm on the indigent list. And so can you imagine this person out there? You got all these drug charges, right? I get caught my last bus, like seven, eight ounces of drugs, monies, cars, everything. But I go to jail and I'm indigent. Like, I don't have the family and friends and the showcase of lifestyle to support me. So I'm in there, I'm indigent. And the same behaviors I had on the street follow me in jail. So I got friends in there, people that I don't work release. Access. Access to street things. And so I started selling cigarettes. And that was my resource. So I got bins of... You pull out beside your bed, you got the little storage bins. I've got your storage bin, their storage bin. We're just working storage bins, right? We got our own commissary going on in the pod. And so <laughs> that was survival. You know, I got people bringing me in, you know, T-shirts and things like that. And so that that was all cool. And, and it looked great because it matched some of the lifestyle that I had out there. But I thank God for this lady today, Allie Marlowe, man. Uh, she was a counselor in there. And uh, in this side of the pod, you had what they call uh, population, right? And over in this side of the pod, you had treatment people, residential treatment in a program. All right, and so the population side was like just the, like the streets, just streets. behind bars. Yes. But the... Uh, treatment side were people that were actually saying, I don't want to be part of the population. Right. I, want, I really different. do want to try to get better. Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. And so I'm over here in population. They over in treatment and I'm over there calling them treatment hoes and man, y'all brainwashed. Why is y'all letting y'all gonna get out and do the same thing? And this lady. Treatment hoes. That's what I said. No, I hear you, but I'm that's got to be, you didn't make that up. That's got to be a thing. Yeah. That's yeah. almost like Uncle Tom or something else. It's derogatory as crap, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. And I am so embarrassed to even think that I said that. No, I, I'm not doing that. I'm no, sorry. No, 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 no. What no. all I'm saying is trying to get a, a, an accurate mental illustration and picture of this oh, yeah. society that exists inside jail. And and, I, and I'm telling them, I'm calling them out of their name, right? And, and I'm telling them they're just being brainwashed. You're going to go back. Like, I'm not providing any hope, right? And regardless, Trina, if you don't want to do it, why do you have to belittle the people who do? And so, but my mindset, you got to remember. Because misery loves company. That's right. And so, and 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 guess what? I'm jealous that you over there trying and I ain't got the courage to try. Right. And so this lady steps to me and say, you know, it's one thing that you're afraid to change and get help. But don't affect the people who want to. I said, I ain't scared to get no help, right? I still got street mentality. I'm talking to the lady counselor. She said, I tell you what. Now, if anybody know anything about incarceration, no, way, no matter where you at, if you ever get a bottom bunk, it's like having a California king bed. <laughs> right? <laughs> you, it's, you're golden, right? And that woman said, 
if you try treatment for 30 days and you survive without giving up and walking out, I promise to give you a bottom bunk for the rest of your time. I said, I'm not going to stay in that path. She said, no, for the rest of your time, you got to serve. I'm going to award you a bottom bar. I said, hmm. Now, I went and talked to a friend. She said, Trina, you ought to try it not for the bottom bunk because you want to get better. You need to get better. I said, Shh, I want that bottom bunk. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> and so, you know, I pondered on it for a minute. She said, but you're going to have to leave all that behavior and them cigarettes and them relationships and all that on the other side. And I was like, hmm. So I pondered on it. She come around. <laughs> I like this woman today, man. Um, she'd come around about a part and people be over in group and the other side and she'd say, what's up chicken? You ready? <laughs> <laughs> and so one day I said, I'm coming. I'm going to come Monday. She said, all right, well, I'm going to move you. I'm making the move. And so it was like a Thursday. Um, and somebody came and said, hey, Trina, it was uh, Friday. I said, Hey, you know, you're on the move this weekend. I said, move where? She said, they're moving you over there. I said, I told that woman Monday. She said, so when the people, one of the interns in the group said, uh, I said, man, tell Miss Marlowe, I told her Monday. I said, a move is a move, and she's ready to move you. You have to come when the move comes. I said, man, I said, this is a setup, man. I was like, she just set me up for real. And so I ended up moving. I'm in group. We're talking. And people are really getting honest, right? Well, I, I, to the best of their ability, right? And I, I got upset one time, and I was like, uh, man, y'all just talking about this surface stuff. Like, for real, for real, if we're going to get up out of here and not come back, man, we got to do something different. And so I went to a couple of groups, but I'm telling you, it was a struggle at first because you got to get up at like five o'clock in the morning, right? Your bed got to be made. And I wasn't used to making my bed. Like they were helping me. Like they wanted me to make it. These women, they was like, come on, Trent, you go get your shower. Uh, I'm going to help you make your bed. And like they were really supporting me. Counselor got a hold of her. She said, you don't make her bed. You don't help her. She needs to do this for herself. I was like, they get to help them. They say, yeah. But remember, you were over calling them treatment hoes. Let's see what a treatment hoe look like now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. And that concludes part one of my conversation with Trina Frierson. And you do not want to miss part two that's now available to listen to. As we dive deeper into her own recovery, and how that has led to the recovery of countless others. Together, guys, we can change the country. It starts with you. I'll see you in part two.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.